Uh, I saw you just went to a soccer game with your kid. How was that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I went to, uh, we watched the Austin FC, which we, uh, my, uh, we've got season tickets. So I try to get there as much as possible. The, the stadium is literally five minutes from my oh, house. So I just went to, yeah, uh, the stadium. I just went to a Houston Dynamo game recently oh really oh yeah. wicked yeah yeah i'm not I'm yeah not that's a, a cool stadium man it's small it's like it's pretty intimate like i felt like i could see everything it wasn't like some big obnoxious like sports stadium i felt like i was like right there because i'm not like a huge soccer person but it was intense it was intense i liked it yeah man the mls is doing it right they've they're, they're doing it right you know they're not it started out really trying to go big and you know, they've, they've kind of scaled back on a lot of things, but they have a system and that system is starting to work and it's helping create a sustainable situation so that because most leagues are, in fact, every league that's ever started up, any uh, top tier professional league that started in the States has never done well. So the MLS has stood the test of time and it's become part of the culture, which is cool. And a lot of that is because the MLS has kept uh, a very tight lid on the way they do things and not trying to go, not trying to overextend themselves. And, it, and it's cool, man. That's why people are getting into it. And even people that are not really into football are like, yo, I can get into this. It's vibey. You know, it's not crazy. Like, yo, my Steelers versus your <laughs> dolphins. And, you know, but there's still that, that intensity of, of it being football and soccer. And, you know, but people are like, yeah, it's kind of a chill Sunday, a chill Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, it's interesting you say that, like in the sense of they're they're not going in over their heads because it's kind of failed before. So maybe they scaled back and brought it down to a level that's more manageable and is more feasible for exactly. what realistically the fan base that's out there in the states. Um, and exactly. And I wonder too, um, just as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about a lot of these festivals that happen in in like our music scene. Um, they mm -hmm. they are all they all try to push to be the biggest best thing possible and a lot of times it ends up being a nightmare. Now you guys play a lot of these big festivals. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, we do. Do you now you guys are kind of on another scale of these festivals. You guys are playing the biggest best ones out there, especially the ones that are more geared towards like a rock uh like mainstream metal crowd. Um but do yeah, you feel the that rock scene? Yeah, do you feel like that those festivals sometimes are overscaled and could be brought back a little bit, or do you think that they've got it nailed down? You know, I think the experience has taught us that the, the, the people that put them on the, uh, the whip, the Danny Wimmers of the world and um, some of the smaller ones that are kind of locally run like upheaval that we just did or rock fest, the regional festivals, as opposed to the big national ones, I think everyone pretty much has experience in throwing shows, but what's happening is I don't I don't think they're trying to be the trying to uh, bite off more they can, more than they can chew. I just think that because of the experience, they're like we can handle whatever comes our way, and pretty much a lot of them are very are run very efficiently, and a lot of them tend to be really really good and really entertainment entertaining weekends i mean there's yeah. all kinds of shit you see at these things now like it's not just the music right yeah but uh, what what i think is happening are uh, that just people don't have a lot of money yeah. you know like so a lot of people can't attend these festivals 300 tickets and stuff like exactly you know that and so the economy hasn't really compensated for uh what those festivals provide and do because you played in, in Europe quite a bit, right? So yeah. you know what the European festival life is like. And those people, they're, they're affordable and they're accessible. Whereas the United States being so big, not a lot of people that want to see a band can get to Jacksonville yeah. or for Welcome to Rockville. They can't get to these weird, obscure places in Ohio where because you know a lot of people don't fly there. So logistically and, and travel-wise, 
it's difficult. Now you've got the cruises that have added to that. So that splits up and breaks up the, uh, the fan bases a lot. Whereas if maybe, say, there were two or three, you know, then things with numbers would be a lot different. But again, you've got to cater because America is so big and because we're used to having things at our convenience and at our fingertips. Right. We have we want a festival that's three to four hours away. We don't want to go across the country 10 hours or some crazy flight thing yeah. and have to get, you know, be in California for aftershock when, oh, OK, that 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 artist is going to be here on such and such. And I think Danny Woman does a very good job of doing that. And maybe the communication between the promoters and, and, and say Live Nation and some of those other big names, maybe if the communication changed a little bit and we've made things a little bit more affordable or a way for people to be able to access it, I think they would do a lot better than the way they've been doing. But they're, I mean, they're still, they're still a big business and it's still great for bands. I mean, I've, t- I've thoroughly enjoyed playing these festivals and I like, and I'm starting to like festivals over the, the club shows. But, um, you know, I just think, you know, people just, it's just the accessibility. That's yeah, the problem. Definitely. I mean, it's, it does feel uh, super excessive money wise. I mean, we, we went to me and my wife, we wanted to go to so what fest. Um, right. And I did watch you guys there, but, we won't talk about unfortunately yeah yeah <laughs> we won't talk yeah, about yeah yeah um, unfortunately i wasn't there but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh but anyways the i was just i didn't want to be one of those band dudes that hits up the promoter and tries to get guest lists so i was just like i'll just buy tickets like i just didn't well, want that's cool yeah i didn't want to be like that i wanted the support so we bought tickets but no joke we spent twelve hundred dollars on tickets for the weekend like wow that is extreme and like i i yeah, already, for, for the numbers you know for the numbers that were there too like wow yeah and so it was um it was it is just very very expensive and i wonder if they did scale it back i mean i think that they do do some festivals that are like free or really cheap but that but they expect a mass amount of people to come but at some point i feel like you kind of cap out uh so you I don't know. I don't know if cheaper's better or if they obviously they've probably worked out all the kinks of like this is the people we can draw at this amount of money and I don't know. But nonetheless, we want like as artists, we want people there to interact with. We want of course. people there. You want as many people there to interact, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know, they that- they're doing them in these big baseball stadiums and these big freaking, you know, football stadiums and everything and it's just it feels like the the first thing you said whenever we said this that MLS originally had been in over their heads doing these big stadiums and stuff I understand you're expecting a lot of people but maybe it could scale back a little bit and or sk- do a different scale in a different venue that would be more affordable because I can't imagine the rent on a freaking football stadium oh yeah the overhead the overhead's <laughs> nuts and the the crazy thing too like when you you see like so what right you see that festival and it's gone maybe a hundred artists on it's it crazy, yeah. from all from all across the alternative music spectrum, the heavy music spectrum. It's catering to a lot. I mean, there's a lot of that, that, uh, that scene vibe that's still kind of hanging around. But the problem is with a hundred or so bands, but then two, diff- two uh, or, or three artists bill in hip hop or, or a pop artist, will fill that thing out. Yeah, exactly. And it'll do way more numbers and the tickets will probably be just as expensive. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a huge disconnect in the overall scheme of how rock and metal work these days. And I think that's, that adds, that itself is part of a, of a larger problem that, that lends itself to why there's an issue with filling seats and why there's an issue with the amount of money that artists are making and the amount of money that promoters are making. And the fact is, there is no money. Yeah. So everyone is trying to fight for every single penny yeah. and trying to get the same the same proverbial W, the same win, when we should all be trying to find a way that we can all win. Now, that sounds all, all uh, you know, a noble. That's a noble statement of, of, of me to make. But it comes down to the way, you know, the way listeners are receive music in the way artists are able to interact and as as 
as tight and as connected as we are in the world today, I feel like there's a disconnect when it comes to rock and metal, and there's a million and one reasons why. Yeah, and um, I wonder what that is. I mean, I feel like uh, for me, there there is kind of this um, mentality still in the metal scene at times where people feel like rock star-ish, you know? And so, like, too much stuff can... They could be expecting too much and be, you know, money-wise, crowd-wise, all of this stuff-wise, and then uh, it just does create, like, a disconnect between uh, the fans that are coming and the band that's there, and, you know, I feel like they're could be something that could bring people more together but i i'm curious for sure especially in i mean now post uh post pandemic a lot of bands are requiring a lot more money now because they are being taken away from their family life away from their jobs all that sort of stuff um but it's i feel like it's harder than ever to feel as a band that it's worth going out and doing stuff oh it's very difficult it's very difficult to tour and i mean Europe this summer was was nuts. I mean, there were no vehicles. Bands were canceling tours. We we had a vehicle that we used before with a particular company that had um, it's a bunked out kind of really large Sprinter van, yeah. like really comfortable. And uh, we weren't able because of time constraints and because of demand, we weren't able to get that vehicle. So yep. we would we had to do uh, a van plus flying out to meet to. And flying updates. So logistically, it was a nightmare. Dude, and yeah. a lot of that due in part to people just want to tour, you know? Yeah. So at the same time, but other bands were canceling tours. And some and bands like us, you know, that, that don't have the massive budgets. Like we did some dates with Five Finger and Megadeth. And, you know, they take a private jet everywhere. And I'm not going to knock them for that. That's a, that's a symbol of their success. And that's a testament to how successful and how good those bands are. But the fact is, a band like us, who are still trying to fight our way and claw our way for some sort of, of recognition, that can be detrimental. Yeah. But I'm not going to knock any of the bands, especially my, you know, our peer bands here in the States. That it's, I'm never going to knock a guy for, being, for asking for this or asking for that. Or, you know, what people say, yeah, you know, this guy has an attitude and is a bit arrogant. You know, we're artists, right, Johnny? So we're artists, and I allow people to... to I, I personally, and this is just my opinion, I think people are, should be allowed to um, to live in the world of wherever they think their art exists in their mind or or if they live that life, you know, because maybe that that ultimately helps them live their life comfortably or, or that makes them a little bit more sure of themselves. And whereas some people lack the confidence, you know, guys like you who've been around for a while and have an established rapport with fans. You don't lack that confidence and you go into each situation because you're comfortable. Some guys aren't, but you know, and I don't get involved with guys like that, but I'm like, Hey, that's you. I'm not going to knock you. I know what I can do and I know how I want to do it. So, but I think it, a lot of it still ties back into the fact that people, we, there's too much, uh, media out there to consume. So people are very distracted, which again, isn't a bad thing, but, it just it just means that we all have to try maybe a little bit harder, or maybe yeah. we have to rethink the game. People have to be a little bit more open minded. Yeah. Maybe some of the people that are traditionally gatekeepers that are, have the loudest voices in our music, maybe it's time to shut those guys the fuck up. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of um, of desire out there for some new blood to kind of be at the top. Um, because like big time i think it there has to be something i think that that's a necessity for both the metal scene and also the active rock scene like the active rock 1, scene is like 50 year olds you know like it's dominated exactly it's dominated by guys who have been doing it forever and these bands they still command very big numbers but you can tell you know you can see the age in the crowd and yeah. it's like, what the fuck? What are we doing <laughs> that's not wrong? How are we not engaging? Like, why doesn't anyone want to hear music that is guitar driven or yeah. has a bit of, you know, but then then you look at some of these, the alternative radio on on uh, XM, yeah. on satellite radio, 
you, you look at the alternative station and a lot of those bands are pretty they're, they're pretty heavy and they're pretty rocking i mean it's it's not that far removed from active rock or what was happening yeah. in the 90s and those those guys are vary like some of those some of those guys they have shot ass crowds and some of them <laughs> yeah. are packing arenas yeah you know so it's like where are we with you know with the aggressive vocals and stuff where are we not connecting yeah and it doesn't mean we have to compromise because a lot of bands compromise fire from the gods compromise i mean we i think a little thing i think we got um so hyped up on this fact that wow well, there's there's this whole radio aspect attached to our music now that we figured why don't we try and you know i i never wanted to write music for the radio but because i lucked out and was able i kind of stepped in shit a little bit with the song right now because that was never intended to be i never wanted to studio say i want to write a radio song I just wrote this song and it happened to have commercial success. So now I'm thinking I have to make myself and my music a little bit more accessible because I want more of that. But that doesn't necessarily translate into people in, that are going to pay for tickets. And that doesn't necessarily translate into uh, dollars in the bank. Yeah. All it does was, you know, I took a stab at something. But I think in the grand scheme of things like what, like what you do, you know, and not to pass not to, to pass judgment on your music. What you do is so fucking cool because you have this, you, you have the best of both worlds with, with the way you've tied in like the EDM aspect to it and the electronic music. It's cool, man. So how do we make, how do we get people in the larger markets to say, whoa, that is something I'd actually give a try and give, give um, some, give a listen to. Yeah. And again, it comes down to accessibility. People don't, there are no, there's no real medium for people to get heavy music the way it was in the 90s and early 2000s. There's no MTV, there's yeah. no VH1, there, there, there are barely any publications that cover uh, music like ours. And when they do, it's maybe the most obscure, extreme shit in the world. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I've never heard of this band, no one's ever heard of this band, but yet this is the top 10 band to see. And it's bullshit. I get it. <laughs> I get trying to look, you know, I get trying to be edgy and all that. But at the end of the day, there's still a whole vast world of bands that are that are fronted and that are members. Uh, members of those bands are still young and have the energy, and maybe they don't have the iconic classic hits of Corn or Slipknot or the Deftones, yeah. but there's some good shit out there, and people need to start opening their minds to it. Yeah, and I think that that the the biggest thing, like everything you're talking about right now, is appealing to the young audience like how can rock and metal appear to appeal to the younger audience like it felt like it did back in the day because i feel like right. the majority of young people right now are uh it's all in the hip-hop scene pretty much it's what i feel like i feel like every 15 yeah, year old out there's listening to hip-hop um and well, both of our bands have aspects of that yeah you got the heavy bass you got the heavy bass i rap even even like you're the way your vocal presentation comes across, like you have that, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. something has to like, we got to get under these kids skin a little bit more, man. I think yeah. it's getting in, in their faces. And does it mean conforming to the times? Maybe, but the, 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 the fact is we got to open up. And sometimes I, I tend to think this is America, right? So maybe I have to go out there and find my own path and pull myself up by the bootstraps and not, typically depend on the radio the radio uh djs or the program yeah. or my label or my manager maybe i gotta go out there and start really hitting the ground so to speak and yeah. putting foot to pavement the proverbial uh hitting the pavement to get people to to check my, my music out because remember flyering back in the day that was yeah. huge dude Definitely. and a lot of bands grew that way flyering so maybe there's an, a way to do that in this new digital age that really puts it in people's faces. Yeah, and I think that um, like one thing you just said there that is a, a big thing is relying a lot on labels and relying a lot on um, these kind of established industry entities that are, to me, feel like they're lagging behind the times. And 1,000%. Being able, they're still doing stuff as if this was like the 90s or the 80s like a lot of these contracts are still built in that same time frame they're wild dude the language and it's exactly it, it's wild and these so, guys are dinosaurs man <laughs> i love crazy. them but they're fucking dinosaurs dude yeah they and are. so we like i feel like we're, we're 
relying on these big established things that have been there this whole time is is kind of one thing that holds because I'm I'm signed to Universal. I'm so sure you guys are signed to a pretty established label we're as well. Noise. Yeah, we're better yeah. noise. Yeah. Which is you know, has some big massive artists. Yeah. yeah. And, and but, a lot of success. Exactly. But I just think that uh some younger again, we just need like new blood both in the music side and also in the industry side, things need to update to the modern world sure. uh, to be able to be set up properly for uh, mass reach, but also better deals for the artists. Like I can't believe 1000%. I can't believe that with how big streaming is now that every single contract that exists wasn't renegotiated over the past couple of years. To compensate, exactly. <laughs> to compensate for the lack of, because streaming is such is such a massive part of the numbers now, and we were lucky enough to stream well on some of our songs. Yeah, and yeah, that's given us a lot of recognition, and like you said, it gets us on these big festivals. But does it translate to does people get- pressing that button? Yeah, you know, when people that like and subscribe stuff, that's really huge. And the fact that it does work out for some some artists, because it, you know, I look at our spot our, our Spotify monthly listeners, and we have, you know, we're approaching, we were close to a mill at one point, then COVID happened and we tapered off. But there are artists out there with a fraction of that. And you look at some of the, you know, the guarantees, you look at their shows, yeah. they're headlining, they're doing this. So there's got to be something that we can start doing as a community and kind of uplifting each other. Yeah. And the touring together, obviously, but we know what touring together comes down to. Can Can it be financially viable and sustainable and with the way numbers look sometimes it isn't so the touring together thing is only a small part of it but maybe it's things like this like what we're doing now you know communicating and and getting this out there and putting it so in the faces and the ears of some of the listeners sound clips little things little things and subtle things that i'm learning that i think will help change the trajectory of where i think rock and metal go because yeah i'm I'm a, a guy in a band, but I'm also a fan of heavy music, and I don't want to see the industry take a hit the way it has. Yeah, and you you mentioned it earlier too about uh, differences in like with touring, like you guys couldn't get the vehicle you did before, and so that was kind of a financial burden on you guys being over there. I just had that same thing. We just got off. Yeah. We just got off tour like I don't know, freaking five days ago or something, and the uh-huh. vehicle that we normally rent was not available. I think that the people we rent through sold the majority of their fleet during COVID. And so the okay. only the only one I could get, uh normally we'd be paying ninety dollars a day for like a fifteen for like a fifteen passenger. Uh I was paying over three hundred a day on this tour for wow. the rental. Like <laughs> that's that's such a that plus that's it was brutal, like diesel dude, yeah. and it was yeah. just uh you know we had really good numbers but like uh, the financial side, it cost me like our daily running expenses on the tour was like eleven hundred dollars a day. Like it was yeah, expensive. and that can be de- that dude. That's detrimental. That can be very detrimental to the existence of a band's life on on the road. Yeah. So I I, I feel you, man. I yeah. missed the Austin date, but it looked pretty heavy, dude. It looked it looked nice. The numbers yeah. look nice in there. Everyone said that you guys tore it up, man. Yeah, I've, I, was, I mean I really- Austin is to me the it's going to be the mecca of entertainment in the modern world. Uh, oh, one thousand percent. Yeah, and and you've been based out of Austin for how long now? I've been in Austin now for uh, six years. Yeah, I got here in the back end of twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's been just a little bit. I think August, this August will make six years. Yeah, and so what? How do you feel about the direction that Austin is going as a as like the entertainment? It's fast becoming a, um, a little bit of an L.A. sort of deal. There's a lot of the L.A. vibe here. But at the same time, but at, this, but at the same time, uh, there are, a, there's still a lot more opportunity for people like us in the entertainment, yeah. people that are trying to kind of make their, um, their little, stake their little claim in this new American dream because the old way is you know you have to rethink things and it's not a knock on anyone's on the country or 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 our culture but you know life anywhere is about adaptation so you have to adapt to to when things are changing and like you said 
Austin becoming a center of entertainment and culture, it's it's true and it's definitely happening. But we have to kind of adapt to that. And, yeah. and I want to. Uh, and, you know, I know the locals are like, dude, I remember when Willie <laughs> Nelson used to sit down there at the bar. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit about that, dude. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that you feel that by my presence and the fact that I don't, you know, they call true Austinites unicorns now because they're so rare. Yeah. You know, I, I get it and all that type of shit. But at the same time, man, it's like Rome, like they say, wasn't built in a day. And Rome changed and things change and the world changes and music changed and the way people consume music and the way people travel and, and, and where they travel to. All of that changes. So I want to be a part of this new, yeah. this new vibe, this new wave of, uh, of the American dream. I want, I want a little bit of that myself, a yeah. little bit of that pie. And I think that Austin, one one bonus right now, currently that Austin has over like the L.A. Hollywood is there was kind of a um, a mentality that went along with being in L.A. and being in Hollywood. And yes. I feel that Austin does not have that. I feel like Austin is a little more, um, I don't know, uh, humble currently. Uh, Somewhat, yeah. At least, at least the people that are coming there and trying to make it up. But uh, like you said, they're they're all are definitely people that are very proud of having been born there or whatever, and don't want the new yeah. people coming in and, and whatever. But like, I don't know. They it also needs that. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you got it. You have to adapt. You got to revamp. I mean, I lived in New York City for years and I, I, I never thought I'd leave New York City. I, know, I always thought like, yo, this is it. This is the center of everything. Yeah. But very, as a guy coming up in the rock and metal scene, New York is just not that place not anymore. Place, I mean, no. if there's still a huge connection to the hardcore roots and you still have that little bit of edge every now and then, like once or twice a year, you get a bunch of people together and a bunch of bands and they play in a, in a park in New York City and you still go, oh, wow, that's right. New York City was known for this. But is it like the bustling happen in town where bands are all converging at the same time and all the the uh, the excitement is surrounding the scene around there? No. And even in L.A., it's not like that. L.A. is just a, a, a hodgepodge of a few smiling faces. And then it's then it all goes out the window once you're out of town, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and everything you talked about and all the the great plans that you laid and the, the all the stuff talking about conquering the world and how your next album is going to do this. As soon as you, you leave that town and you get on the, the highway to go wherever you go, it, it ends. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and you know, but Austin, like you said, there's a little bit of humility here and, and people are willing to be, uh, you know, Anthony come and take it is so yeah. flexible and he's willing and he wants bands to succeed and he wants bands to win as opposed to some of the more popular places where you go and those guys can give a fuck if you're in the room or not. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and, They'd rather you, know, you not be so, sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, you know, so you, you want, you want something to, you want a place where you can feel accepted. You want a place yeah. where you can, where you can thrive. And yeah. Austin is a town is a town for that. So, uh, with um, you know that that being said, like uh, how sometimes you feel uh, can feel out of place or feel like unwanted in some of these like big cities or big venues or whatever. They're like almost annoyed that you're there. Um, being in this these situations and these festivals and these tours that you guys have been doing with these absolutely massive bands. Uh -huh. Uh, did you guys ever have that right. feeling or how did it feel like being with five finger and Megadeth and being on these festivals with corn and as big as it gets? Like, did you ever feel that, did you guys feel like right there with everybody or did it feel awkward? You know, it, we, we are fortunate in the fact that we kind of take to things like a duck out of water like a duck to water right yeah and we have this kind of never say die we're just gonna go we're hard-headed we don't give a shit what people think we're just gonna go out there and slam for our 30 minutes especially when you're playing with these massive headliners and you only get your 30 35 minutes we were blessed enough to do a bill with corn and stain where it was just the three three bands 
So we had 45 minutes. So we really had enough time to engage and enough time to really get under the skin of some of the listeners. And it worked out well for us. But it's never been like, oh, we don't belong here. You know, we've never felt that way. But what we do want is a way to manifest that same sort of success for us. We don't because we're going into these shows playing for their crowd. You know, we're not going in there playing for 10,000 fire, fire from the gods fans. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's our job to walk away with 2,000 new fire from the gods fans, 3,000. And if you're lucky, you can also, that number will translate into how much you, how much merch you sell. Yeah. So, and that's a testament to say you're doing your thing. So yeah, it, it does it. Would I love a higher slot and be like, man, I'm a big swinging dick? Of course. But at the same time, uh, you know, we are humble, and, but we don't feel that we're out of, uh, out of place at all. But it, 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 And like, yeah, it, going back to what we said, though, we need more bands on our level to be able to do that. And there are bands that are growing that are becoming legitimate headliners. I mean, look at Wage War. Yeah. They're really successful now. Look at Knock Loose. You know, these are young bands. The, the that, tour right uh, now that's going on right now that I'm like, dang, is that um, the the Trinity tour, Motionless, Ice Nine Kills, yeah, Black Veil Brides? Yeah, the, the Trinity of Terror tour. Like, yeah, man, Huge. those are your peer bands, dude. Yeah. Those are your peer bands. You came up with those guys and you were doing all the, the metalcore stuff and, and the really heavy, uh, the heavier side of metalcore along with those guys in that tour. It's phenomenal. It's crazy. Numbers. Yeah. And so that's so, like, that's really nice to see. Cause all those bands are still very young. They've been in it for a minute, but it's nice yes. to see. Uh, like you said, it, it more bands need to kind of band together like that to be able to be on this massive scale instead of like exactly. each one of those bands doing their own headliner, which they could, they got together and did a freaking massive thing. And that's really, it's really, really good to see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was I was really happy for those bands. I was like, damn, dude, because at the same time, we were main support on a From Ashes to New tour. And, you know, we were in, in far smaller venues, but we were doing decent numbers. So it was nice to see that yeah. for what we do. And, you know, the hip hop and uh, the hip hop melded with metal, you know, the new metal sound even. It was nice to see that there was a lot of people that still cared enough to want to come out and yeah. pay for a ticket and, and check out a tour like that when we were following that tour and like the Trinity of territory would be like an hour away and it's like, well, it's sold out tonight, but we still have really good numbers. So we, we, we did well. And, and it's good to see that because that shows that yes, there are listeners, but for real on the real journey, we want those rap numbers. We want those hip hop. Oh, we sure. want those pop star numbers. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm glad I could get two, three hundred people in a room to fuck with my music when it's just us and not us on tour with Five Finger and it's us yeah. doing something with a smaller band. Yeah, that's nice and it looks good and it shows that we're growing. But on the real girl, I want those fucking rap numbers. So I want. Yeah. So the from in the room. from that that mentality in the active rock realm, like what what is the the goal slash trajectory? that you think can get a band like y'all's to be in that? Do you think it's consistency with these festivals and tours, or do you think it is landing a couple big radio songs? Like, what is the... How it's, do you think that's possible? That. It, I think it's all of that. Some of the people that we associate with and who are, who quote-unquote know a lot more than us, they all have their own ideas about how it's done and how you're supposed to, and they think it comes down to an exact, an exact science. Well, I don't really think it's an exact science. No, I don't think I so either. I think, though, I, I think there is a culmination of a little bit of luck, a little bit of social engineering and social engineering by, by ways of convincing people that you're a band that they need to fuck with and you're a band that needs to be heard. And that comes, that comes with the songs, like you said on the radio, and it comes with the hand-to-hand combat in the clubs you know that's where you build that foundation because a career i think a career these days is better defined by how many people you can get into a room as opposed to how many streams you have yeah and i i've always talked about that because the browning 
um, has always had like lesser numbers online than compared to what we have in like in venues like the browning doesn't have a ton of numbers online but we toured so much consistently for so many years that we draw the numbers that a band that is seemingly bigger would and um it's just been that consistency touring so much having a smaller niche fan base has really given us mm-hmm. like a really good consistent fan base to come out live um exactly like you need that cultish fan base yeah for sure and it's like i feel like there's multiple different routes here like i like you said i absolutely do not think that there's a a formula to making someone successful because i think for every band and every fan base there's different random things that might need to happen like for the browning i think if we really wanted to blow up i think we would have to have some sort of viral moment or viral song uh for sure whereas like i think that like for you guys it does make a little lot of sense if you guys put yourself on that tier with all those big bands for that long you're inevitably going to be associated with that tier and exactly that's the social engineering exactly people see it and the 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 association it's a good look and it's great for optics, but we still got to hit the ground and you oh, still yeah. got to be in the hand to hand combat in the clubs with people seeing you and like, yo, this guy, he's, this band hustles. I want to see this band again. I, I, I like what they, they're about. And, you know, so it's a culmination of everything, but you have to have, that's where the science aspect comes into it, right? Because yeah. those things are in, in your control, how much touring you do, how good your songs are. And, and how much you interact with the, with the uh, people out there and the masses, how, how you interact with the masses. And I think, you, um, you know, the gaming aspect is really cool, but I'm not too much of a game. I think I know you do a little bit. Yeah. So that's also a place. And the viral moment, I think it for sure works out for you guys because of the type of music you have. You know, it's, it, it is invari- inevitably and invariably associated with the digital landscape because yeah. it's, it's like computers and, and exactly. electronic music is, you know, so you, you, you have something there that people already recognize and a part that's already ingrained in the culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree with all that. And I think that both of our bands are, are kind of hitting that route properly, but we're just kind of waiting for that moment right. to really take advantage of. Um, 1000%. And I think you guys are, you guys are doing great right now. And um, I was curious too, because like we've we did a couple shows with corn we've done a couple bigger things like that uh but doing an entire tour on that caliber like the difference of hospitality of like you guys out with from ashes to new or out with oh, you know yeah. versus hospitality when you're out with uh five finger and megadeth like how was the hospitality like every single day on that and this whole time I've, you talked about them taking a jet and this whole time i've had this like picture in my head and like a little cartoon thing of like you guys in this tiny little van on the road chasing this like private <laughs> yeah. jet through there uh, <laughs> but like it's kind of like that almost yeah so like I mean, how was the hospitality like what was it like being in in rooms like that and being on a tour like that every day you get treated you get treated like like a human being man you get treated right very well I mean, we, we, you know, we used to joke that we're only here for the catering, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, but it, it makes it, it makes a tour a lot more sustainable when you're getting a bigger guarantee, obviously, but you're not, you're not out there spending a group, tons of money. You're not hanging out in the bars, going nuts. You, you are, you have a green room, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, what it does is it says, I need to keep doing more because it gives you a taste just a small taste of what it (laughs) is to really be on that level and when you are on that level and your name is on on the on the uh, marquee and you're not just part of the support yeah you know then then it's like yeah you you know you're really bringing in the real the real uh money you're, you're the real success and then you start seeing things in your life change but for us you know, a band that's getting these good looks because of what we've done in the past and the fact that, you know, we have the support of certain labels and we have the support of the radio behind us, it puts us in it puts us in the position to get those sort of offers. It only makes sense that you continue doing it because yeah. it only can get 
you know, it just can only get bigger. Yeah. It gives you something to aspire and strive for. And you have and to take advantage of that moment, this. you know? Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. And so exactly. you said that, like, the guarantees, like, on a, on, I feel like on tours like that, you have one of two things. The budgets are either just so huge you can get a good guarantee, or they're just given, like, an F off, like, we just need an opener. So for you guys, yeah. did, did you feel you were actually, like, really well compensated for a tour like that? Like the budgets was there. It, it's it varies. It varies, and it's and it's a culmination of everything you just said. Like, okay, the budget's huge. They can they can play this for that, and so you get you get a nice chunk of change. Or the budget isn't that huge, and they're just like, well, we need an opener to to fill a slot. Yeah. But you have again, it's all about opportunity, right? For a band like us, it's about opportunity, and I have to take that opportunity. I cannot allow the menial things like money yeah. become the issue as to why I won't do it exactly. because that could have been the case with quite a few tours, yeah. but we had to do it. Yeah. We I had mean, to do it. We had one like that. It was, um, it was in like 2018 and I saw that electric cowboy and Attila announced a European tour and they didn't have an opener. I immediately hit them up cause we'd be perfect for the bill. And they're like, well, the thing is we only have a hundred dollars per night for the opener. And I was like, I'll do it. Like, like I didn't care. Like, yeah, yeah, I wanted to be, sure. I wanted to be in those rooms. And so I was like, you know, I'll take a, I'll take a hundred dollars a day just to allow me to be in that room and play to those people. And sometimes you have to do that. And cause a lot you of, gotta take those opportunities. Yeah, and have to. a lot of, a lot of tours like that, like the headliners and especially if it's a bill like that, where it was electric cowboy and Attila, both those bands are getting good money. And so there's not a lot of money left around. And so they're just looking for someone to swoop it. And I was like, I'm going to do it because I just want to be in those rooms and just have a good time. And that tour, whenever it was in mainland Europe, Electric Cowboys, like big time over there with the, oh, they're huge. it's huge. it's awesome. And so like, I mean, that was one of the, and, they do arenas. In exactly. Europe. And that was one of the ones that the hospitality Europe, the hospitality is always great. But then whenever you're on that of level, course. like every day felt like I was in a hotel room but at the venue and it was just like we mm-hmm. were chilling it, it it is such a better vibe and you don't feel like crap because you can get off stage and shower and have a good sandwich and there's like you know there's actual yep. food and there's like people that care whereas like in the states a lot of times um even on like the i would say the high mid-tier touring so not like mm-hmm. not like two thousand three thousand but more like one thousand uh yeah of course like you're still kind of getting like scraps a lot of times <laughs> from these venues. one thousand percent you got this the you have to like you you got to budget out whether i'm going to be able to eat today sometimes <laughs> in the states and that again i'm not knocking uh american touring i'm just saying that i think promoters need to take a little bit more care yeah and the economy yes the economy isn't the strongest and people need and want to make money but you for i think the long-term success is a lot more guaranteed when every aspect of the show is take looked after the fans are looked after the yeah. bands are looked after no matter if they're the opening band or the and now i get it you can't always compensate uh you can't always uh make up for what you lack so if it's like those two, three hundred cap rooms and there's only one green room and it's fucking 106 degrees outside, <laughs> you yeah. can't pack 20, 30 guys in in a room like that. Some someone's going to have to chill outside in the van. Yeah. But and that's just the way that 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 goes. But there's also ways, you know, to make sure everyone feels welcomed, to make sure everyone is taken care of. Yeah. And we're we're at least looking after each other and we're not just like, Oh, well, these guys are just open let me throw their gear this way or something <laughs> like that. Because that translates in the long term, that makes for a better scene. The yeah. bands are happier. The fans get a better show. Then people want to come back and people want to fuck with your club and people want to fuck with the band. Yep. It's all of that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, we, <laughs> we had a experience at one of the, venues on this tour I'm, i won't even go into detail of it uh publicly but the basically my whole my booking agent completely barred ever booking a show at this venue again because the staff wow. was just the biggest douche as possible 
And so like, I hate, I hate hearing that, man. Right. I it's, hate that stuff. It, it sucks. Cause it's like, it was a, it was a fine show in a bigger city. And, um, you know, it just, it sucks that the staff treating the band so badly will make it to where an entire agency is never going to book a show there again. And like the, we need places to have like a better mentality to want to help bands to want to be, uh, just nice and want to just yeah, and look after look after the artist man right it's a tough job and we're not there trying to be in your face like yo i'm fucking mick jagger and you know what i'm saying it's a, yeah. and when people come through and mick jagger does come through and you want to treat that guy better just because it's mick jagger right yeah that says a little bit about your character yeah and it says something it literally Let's respect the art the whole thing started because they wouldn't give us a case of water Oh uh, man, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> right? How stupid is I that? I knew you were gonna say that. That's what it all started like over. The little things like that. It's always the little bullshit like that. And I've come in contact with that type of shit all the time. But there's just no way you're going to um you're gonna disrespect people like that. I mean that that's a basic human need. Right. And it goes beyond, oh my god, I don't wanna spend two, three dollars on an extra case of water because I need that to pay or or the or I need that to pay uh the weight stuff like that's just bullshit yeah. find it it's money right it's it, not you know f- it's just money just imagine it's it started with hey can i get a case of water to the end of the night i had a raging drunk guy that was open carrying a pistol in my face saying he was gonna destroy me like <laughs> oh my goodness like yeah, go, that's just nuts man. you go from those two spectrums and it's like really like that's crazy oh uh, water. right it started somewhere <laughs> so small and it could have been completely alleviated if you hadn't been an ignorant asshole. Exactly. But it's like, I don't know, I, f- I feel like that, um, you know, being on that scale where you're touring or doing those festivals that are just like top notch, like I could do that forever. I could bring my family with me. Like I could, yep. you know, <laughs> that's to me, that's the big goal is getting to the point with the travel, with the venues, with the hospitality that my family can come with me full time, you know? And yeah, there's so many bands that travel like that, man. And I'm always like, damn, how do you do it? But you know that, like I said, there's a lot of things that are in your, that are in your power. And I see that. And I know that there's a lot of things that I could possibly do a lot better to make sure that when I'm on the road or what I'm trying to set up for the future, I'm looking after myself and my family. And there's a, there's a way for us to do this. And make it sustainable yeah. so that we can do this for the long term and continue to do it. Definitely. And uh, as far as like with your guys' trajectory, I've talked about that a lot. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are in bands that are starting up or they're, they've been going for a while and they're looking at this trajectory. Like, how do I get to where Fire from the Gods right. is? Like, um, for you guys, because uh, whenever we toured together, you guys were still doing like straight up like metalcore with some rap with a with a little bit of screaming. Yeah. But you had those a couple of those courses. Um, and the for you guys getting to this route, like, was it a you said it wasn't planned at all. You just wrote these songs and they just happened to have that uh, that mainstream likability. Um but now, once you finally realize that, that your music, right. your voice, and I would, I would more so account it to your voice being so unique um, in the music that it makes you guys stand apart a lot. So I feel like that uh, you, your voice, and your personality is a huge aspect as to what, why you guys have uh, so much likability. Um, what do you think it is that bands need to do to stay fresh to modernize right. and to just not be another band out there floating around in the ether? Like, what is it? Do you think? Great question. I mean, I, and I tell a lot of guys, this, a lot of artists that ask these questions, a lot of bands starting up that ask that very same question. And I tell them, you know, you listen to what you're doing. And if, does it set you apart? You have to find something that is unique and that sets you apart because no one, our scene is so oversaturated with people trying to do so much of the same thing. And it's not an intentional thing. It's that that's what appeals. That's what we like. We want to do that. And I, I love playing heavier, uh, more metalcore stuff. We love the brutality. And one thing is, yeah, we, we've been writing some songs and, We've gotten 
a little bit of this active rock love. And we're still not scratching the surface of what that can do for our career. We're still kind of finding our way in that whole scene. But the fact is this, we've tried to maintain a, a sort of uh, uniqueness about ourselves. But we never, we're never going to forget and turn away from the fact that we are still a metal band. Yeah. We aren't, you know, we aren't shine down. We aren't breaking Ben. We're, we're definitely getting, getting uh, mentioned amongst those names, but it doesn't change the fact that we were playing Warped Tour just a few years ago. Yeah. And we were, we were, all we cared about were breakdowns and circle pits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and- it doesn't, that doesn't, that, that aspect hasn't changed. Yeah. And I think that uh, metal, like, quote unquote like metal i i feel a lot of times isn't even necessarily the sound but a lot of times is the energy and the mentality um and i think that you you guys still have that aggression even in a song that is a little more uh dialed back uh i think that there's still that um aggression and that energy that is necessary to um be that i mean and you look at some of the biggest bands that exist still. I mean, System of a Down, Corn, Slipknot, those bands are all heavy right. as crap. Like they are heavy, heavy. And uh but they've just yes, have sir. those moments that are um more likable. And also each one of those bands is so You know what someone distinct. told me? What? Yes, so unique about well the way someone told me that you don't have to uh, a lot of guys are like, man, I want that breakdown, I want that brutality and all that type of shit. Yeah. And that doesn't make that again puts you in that kind of limits your band a little bit to who's gonna who and how many uh-huh. people are gonna listen. But what um, someone told me, very a uh, very good producer told me, he said, being metal, being heavy and metal, sorry, being metal doesn't necessarily translate to being heavy. Yeah, you can still like you just said, you can still like make some of the dopest music and it doesn't have to be metal driven to be heavy. And like, you know, look at a band like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. That's four guys on stage. Four dudes. <laughs> yeah. With no huge backing tracks, no 808s and shit. Yeah. It's four guys up there and it sounds massive. Yep. It sounds massive. So what is that? The energy. It's the the energy. songs have to be there. The, the, uh, the attitude yeah. you know it has to be there and i tell these guys that all the time like look at lorna shaw opening up a bring me tour in europe like that's that's crazy yes bring me has its roots in death and deathcore and stuff but they're far removed from what they are now that's a, a super heavy pop band now yeah and they still make killer fucking music but lorna shaw appeals in its in its own in their own right because they have these awesome impacting yeah uh, you know just balls to the floor like type type of songs that people love yeah corn effects does the big corn effects death core as fuck like more traditional <laughs> death yeah. metal than some of the other bands out there and they're still big on the on the, the festival bills they're yeah. still big on some of these alternative looking uh bills that people would normally kind of turn their nose up at but the fact is corn effects is still involved and it's because the music the songs are there they yeah. still have this very unique sound that that differentiates them from just the the clutter of death metal bands and death me- and heavy bands out there like that yeah so you know it just takes you just have to really find where you get in where you fit in so to speak and it took me years to find that i did i did everything with every other band that i was in deathcore and yeah you know uh just speak like thrashy type bands and stuff like that. And, and prog stuff, all <laughs> screaming, not yeah. much clean vocals, but fire from the guns. And it took a few, it took a few stabs at it before we kind of find out, found where we were. And we're still discovering our yeah. sound because each release sounds very different from the last. Yeah. One, I think that I, I keep talking about your voice with the music, but it, to me, it is just such a standout part because if you if you listen to all the mainstay bands that we all know, the voices sound so drastically different from each other, like not even close. Like you mm-hmm. could, you could hear two seconds of each one of those singers, and you know exactly who it is. 
And uh, I think that your voice would. Oh, that you, you know it's Manny. Yeah, yeah. In a second, you know exactly who these is, and I. I think that your voice uh, in Fire from the Gods is so much more natural to your talking voice that is so distinct uh, to you specifically that I think that that's why you guys do have um, the right. ability in the modern world to do that because it to me the voice that you're using in fire from gods literally sounds like you like uh you know you don't you don't sound right. like chester bennington you don't sound like jonathan davis you only sound like yourself and i think that that's so key and i want and i want to and i strive for that exactly i'm striving for that because i want to keep staying unique i think the songs that in our catalog that people uh take to are the ones that are very distinctly fire from the gods yeah. and don't don't sound like anything. We're not trying to be something that we're not. And yeah. we 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 have those moments too where it's like mm, maybe that's a little bit too on the nose trying something that is a little bit out of our wheelhouse. Yeah. And I'm not telling guys don't try and and be and be uh don't strive and to try and be a little bit like the people that influence you. Don't turn away from your influences because you want to sound different but it's take aspects of what inspires you and what has influenced you and apply it to what your ability allows you to do yeah and then you'll find that you'll be able to do more definitely yeah and i i think that people can just be real true to themselves and to to what they really want to create to be so unique and um i had a just something pop into my head too with like with your guys whole thing that you're doing and this this level that you've put yourself on, like you've, we've, we've talked about the tier that you guys are associating yourselves with. Um, and so you guys are doing a lot of support right. stuff and you want to be out there, um, as supports to gain as many people as possible. Um, the, are you guys, this is just a, a thought with like that, um, of trying to associate yourself to that higher level. Um, are you guys like intentionally avoiding doing headliners currently to keep building those numbers until you can do a headliner that is uh, that you know for a fact is going to be substantial, or is it just you're getting so many support offers that you're just going to take all of those? Like, is there a, a purposeful like thought behind the scenes to just do right. as much okay. support? There's a thought process for sure, and a lot of it is geared towards doing as much support as possible, and a lot of that is because we definitely lost a lot of ground with COVID. Uh -huh. We were fully in the ascendancy. And I think bar COVID, we, we could have, um, we would have been already planning headliners. And now that we're about to release a record by the end of the year, you know, that's the time when you start considering these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. But I think losing a good amount, losing so much momentum over two years really kind of, put us in a place where we're like, okay, let's kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit. Let's kind of rethink what we're going to do. Let's do some, let's do some headliners. And then from those headliners, so excuse me, let's do some more support slots. And then from those support slots, let's, uh, let's see where we are. And if headlining makes sense, if not, we'll continue to try and get as many, uh, as many festivals as possible and try to spread this, the word of this record because yeah. I can almost I can almost see it that once we put this record out and what what wherever the, we gauge our success off this record I'm more than certain we're probably going to go back into the studio yeah relatively quick so that because what content is king these days right the more content you have and what's the best form of content at least having that music yeah and having what it is you do out there in the world and did you guys have a situation that um, cause I mean, bands plan crap like real far in advance and have this whole plan with album right. cycles and everything. And COVID just put a dead stop to everyone's plans. Uh, and so, but also you guys are with better noise. And I, I also have someone that I know that is, was with better noise and they were, they held back their album that they had done an, a year before COVID. And so they were pushed back an album like almost wow. three years because Better Noise didn't want to release anything during COVID for this band. Um, did you have a situation where the label itself was like one of those things that was a determining factor of like delaying like everything? 
No, not really, because we had put out a record right before COVID. Yeah. You know, we put out a record and came out first November 2019. Yeah. And we were and there were so many plans and things surrounding how we're going to try and yeah. uh, promote this record and how we're going to try and find success with this record. And then, then out of nowhere, yeah. we were blindsided by COVID. Yeah, then your touring cycle just went to nothing. <laughs> exactly. So we really did not get a good, a very good touring cycle on what we believe to be one of our best releases. Yeah, for sure. So now we're on. So now we're kind of making up that ground. Yeah. And we're fortunate enough to still have a very dedicated team yeah. that want to help us achieve that. That's awesome. You know, better noise for all, for all intents and purposes for what they are as far as a large, very independent label that swings, uh, that swings with some of the big boys up there. It doesn't take away. It, they're still a very supportive uh, group of people that are behind the band. That's good. So uh, that, that's, that's very fortunate. For us, yeah, I mean, but I, anyone can see the potential of what you guys got going on. Like, I mean, it's right; it, it's a no-brainer. You guys are really killing it. And, I appreciate that. And you guys also put on the show. Like, here's one of my problems with a lot of the big mainstay or even like newer active rock bands. I feel like metalcore or metal bands that go into that realm have a massive, massive. Uh, uh, advantage because of the live show that metal bands are used to putting on, like so much more energy. Right, one thousand percent. And t- we kind of we have we are the production, you know, because you don't have the fire <laughs> and the, yeah. the flash bangs, the things that make that whole thing look like a circus sometimes. Yeah, you know, in a, in a good way. Yeah, we lack that, so we have to go out there and 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 have make sure that the energy of the band is unmatched yeah and so like these band these fans that are used to seeing like disturbed kind of like standing there chilling they're gonna see Mm -hmm. you running around jumping you know six feet in the air and be like holy crap like that band they were crazy you know and so exactly i think i think you have to maintain that yeah i think we need that and that that's what can get young people excited and these old people be like dang i never seen a band with energy like that Besides back in, set the you know, tone. yeah, exactly. I think it's, I think that you guys have a massive advantage being on that stage with the experience that you guys have had. Um, cause I mean, even like everyone in your band I've known since way back at the dirty dog 12 years ago, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, and so you guys really got it going and you got the right group of people too. Um, and so yeah, it was really good. Uh, you know, unfortunate you weren't able to make it well you got stuck in traffic on the way to sell wet fest or something yeah dude um so i never i'd never known about the waco thing i didn't know that it's known that waco and this is my uh my my lack of living in texas for <laughs> and, and knowledge i had left with enough time to be there on time you know yeah. i was like yeah it's a, it's a show it's it's a it, there's no real need to get there um you know, no real, no real need to rush. Yeah. But uh, because I'm, you know, it's it's kind of like a flyout day. It's a one-off. Yeah. So I left with time, and then just hit Waco, and there wasn't even a car crash or anything. It was just dead, dead. stop yeah. traffic, <laughs> and it just it, it was so frustrating. The the guys in the band were frustrated. I was frustrated, especially in Texas where we are based. Your, we're not yeah. we're supposed to represent. You know that that's not supposed to happen. So I was in a real. I was, I was in a, I was bombed. I had no, you know, I really had, but the, it was out of my control. So yeah. one thing is I didn't want to get too upset about something that was completely out For of my sure. control because that's, the, that's when stress sits in, you know what I'm saying? That's how people stress themselves out yeah. when they start trying to control things or be upset about things that are out of the control. I just, I had, there was nothing I can do. Oh, for sure. But I mean, even with the situation, like there's still good energy. There's still a good amount of people in front of the stage. Like it was all good. Uh, and yeah, they, people had a blast and I'm really happy for the people that the homies that went up there and tried to sing the songs. It was cool, man. Yeah. I like the community. They, they, they definitely came out and showed us a little bit of love. Yeah. And I mean, uh, with, just I, I don't know i'm stoked for you guys i don't what tour was that that we did together who was the headliner on that or was it was you the brown, yeah i was about to say yeah. or was the browning headlining <laughs> yeah yeah you guys headlined um someone else i met a guy at a festival in 
in Michigan called Upheaval, uh-huh. and he was the promoter for one of those shows that was in Michigan. Yeah, and he was like, "Dude, I, I met you years ago," and and he told me about his band because a friend of mine is actually working with his band, and he's like, "It was a tour way back," and blah blah blah. I was like, "It had to have been the Brownie." Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, dude." So you know, it's been kind of. Then we saw JT from. Uh, Gosh, Bermuda, oh, oh yeah, Bermuda. in yeah. Reno, and you know he was he was talking about that tour. So that tour's kind of come up recently, and it, it's just a cool testament to show where um, where we've come from and yeah. and how we have evolved and how the scene has embraced us. And I'm I'm very happy for it. Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, even back then, you guys that were like even how you guys got brought to my radar at that time was like, these guys got it going on. These guys are going to be one of the next things. And like, now that's like coming to fruition, like full on. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love seeing it, uh, cause you guys are all real nice and good people. And, uh, Thanks, appreciate that. My bro. Appreciate that. My guy. Yeah. I was even trying to get Jameson to go on tour with us cause I needed a guitarist. <laughs> ah yeah yeah he probably would have loved it yeah but, but he was like well you know i'm off doing big rock star things at festivals and stuff so nah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i appreciate you talking yeah. to me it's uh it's always good talking to to uh, friends and people that i've done stuff with over the years and i just i i always appreciate your opinion on things and uh, i love that you put your your heart into your lyrics and all your opinions out there like that as well and so it's yeah, uh they, you really got it going on and so thank you brother i appreciate that john thank you man heck yeah and so yeah next time uh you guys are playing a festival i'm gonna need you to guest list me because i'm not spending 1200 bucks on any festival yeah, again yeah, yeah fuck <laughs> that no way dude you gotta show that's part of showing each other love man I, and I tell people that all the time i even hit fans up i'm like dude you know sometimes they're like man i really got it like that yeah and i'm like dude just drive out hit me up and I'll, and I'll sort you out. Yeah, I've done the same thing. We gotta gotta support people like that, hundred percent. You have to. You have to. Heck yeah! All right. You well, I will talk to you here soon, dude. Appreciate you talking. Yes, to me. my friend, Johnny. Thank you, brother. You take care, man. Yeah. Peace out. Be good.